Chapter 23 of Titus, A Comrade of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Middleton. Titus, A Comrade of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 23 In his own private apartment, Caiaphas was striding up and down the floor, his hands clasped behind him, his head bent forward on his breast. His eyes were blazing with an angry light beneath his brows. And now and then he muttered fiercely to himself, Blasphemer! He shall be crushed! Have I not vowed it? I, Caiaphas, the high priest? He shall not defy me longer. Hearing a slight sound outside, he strode rapidly to the door of the chamber and flung it open. Ah, Malchus, tis thou, enter. Well, what hast thou to say? The man bent his head humbly. Most worshipful master, I went as I was bidden to Bethany. When I reached the place, I had not the slightest difficulty in finding the abode of Lazarus. The streets were thronged with people going and coming to the house, which I found to be one of the humbler cottages of the town, albeit comfortable and tidy. I care not what sort of place it was, interrupted Caiaphas irritably. The man! Didst thou see the man? I saw the man, Lazarus, alive and well, continued Malchus. He was in the garden of his house, talking to the people. Talking to the people, was he? sneered the high priest. The country is full of orators nowadays. And what said he? He was telling the story of his resurrection. He said that the four days which he passed in the tomb were as asleep. He has still a faint memory of wondrous dreams, but cannot tell clearly what they were like. He was also praising and blessing God, and ascribing equal praises to the Nazarene, whom he called the Son of God, and the consolation of Israel. Caiaphas ground his teeth. And the people... The people all cried aloud, Hallelujah, and Hosanna to the son of David. All Bethany hath gone mad over the thing. Such a wonder hath never even been heard of. Tis a palpable lie, and hath been invented by this fellow and his followers to make an uproar at the feast-time. Didst thou question others concerning the thing as I bade thee? The man looked gravely at his master. Tis regarded as a veritable miracle in Bethany, he said. I made the most careful investigation, even as thou didst command me, questioning many discreet and prudent persons concerning the matter. I also examined the tomb in which he lay. The man was unquestionably dead. He had been buried four days. But how the Nazarene was able to restore him to life, except by the power of God, I know not, nor could anyone tell me. Keep thy senses, man. Let not the evil one prevail over thee said the high priest, looking sternly at his favorite servant. No disciple of the blasphemer shall serve me. I am not a disciple, replied Malchus, looking down upon the ground. But the thing is beyond my understanding. Enough, said Caiaphas, with an impatient gesture. Leave me, and prepare the council chamber. Let it be in readiness within an hour. We have dealt gently with this thing too long already. The man must be put out of the way, and that speedily. The speaker was the venerable Annas. He was the center of an excited group in the council chamber of the high priest. 
if we let him thus alone, as we have been doing for almost three years now, all men will believe on him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation, and deservedly so. It should have been dealt with long ago. Twas my advice then, and could have been easily followed in the beginning. But the matter hath now assumed such an aspect that it will be exceedingly difficult to bring about his death. I am not in favor of putting the man to death, said Nicodemus in his mild tones, for in my opinion he hath done nothing worthy of death. Thou knowest nothing at all, broke out Caiaphas passionately, nor doth consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. Nicodemus looked at him for a moment in silence. Thou art the high priest, he said solemnly. Jehovah speaketh through the words of thy mouth, but God forbid that we put an innocent man to death. For my part, I will have nothing further to do with this thing. We have long suspected that thou art one of his disciples, said Annas with a sneer. Thou art therefore out of place in the council of the Sanhedrin. Go hence, and join thy illustrious master, the carpenter, and his followers whom he hath gathered from the refuse of the earth. Nicodemus made no reply, but he arose and passed out of the council chamber in dignified silence. "'Let him go,' said Yakinen. "'Tis not meet that we lose time in discussing what is sufficiently obvious to all the rest of our number.' As he spoke, he glanced around the circle, and a little murmur of applause followed. But there was one who did not join in the applause. He was looking steadily upon the floor at his feet, his fingers busying themselves uneasily with his long beard. The name of this man was Joseph, and he was a native of Arimathea. Now as to the case of this fellow Lazarus, who is making quite an uproar on his own account, continued Jokinen, what think ye? It seemeth to me that he were better off in the tomb from which he was taken, if he were indeed dead, then it was the will of God, and he should have remained so. We shall not be doing unlawfully if we carry out upon him the sentence of death which Jehovah had himself already imposed. Thou hast spoken wisely, said Annas. The man had evidently reached the proper limit of his days. It is more than probable that his body is now animated by a devil, which thus speaketh blasphemously through the flesh. He should be put out of the way and that speedily. See to it, for he leadeth away much people after him. Moreover, being a dead body, which hath no longer any right on top of the earth, he defileth every man with whom he cometh in contact, said another piously. Let the man Lazarus alone, said Joseph of Arimathea, unable to restrain himself any longer. I know him well. He is an honest man, and a just I have also seen him since his resurrection from the dead, if so it was. He hath not a devil. And believing what he doth, he justly praiseth God for his deliverance, and glorifieth with him his Saviour from the tomb. The matter can be discussed later, said Annas smoothly. Can anyone here inform me of the whereabouts of the Nazarene? He hath come even today to Bethany, where he sojourneth with the same Lazarus, said Caiaphas. I was informed of the fact as I entered the council chamber. 
he undoubtedly purposeth to be in Jerusalem for the feast. He must be seized in secret, that there be no uproar among the people. And there shall be some evidence secured against him, which shall bring him under Roman jurisdiction. For, as you know, this tribunal hath not the power to put any man to death. The eyes of several present flashed dangerously at this reference to the Roman supremacy and the national degradation. But Annas hastened to say blandly, The Romans have not shown themselves unfriendly to the church of the living God. Our temple beareth witness to that fact, we must not forget it, nor blindly risk being crushed by the iron hand of Rome. We must rather seek to ally ourselves to them in every way in our power. If this man, Jesus, can be convicted of plotting against the government, our work will be practically done. We can then deliver him over into the hand of Pilate, assured that he will be dealt with after his deserts. Tomorrow, especially, let him be watched closely. In such a case as this, the Sabbath laws must be relaxed, so that we shall be enabled to perform this work, which is assuredly one of necessity. At this moment a loud knocking was heard at the door of the council chamber. Caiaphas looked astonished. Who dareth to interrupt us in our deliberations, he said aloud. But stay, it must be something of importance. And he beckoned to one of his brothers-in-law to open the door. The man returned almost instantly, and said in a low voice, "'Tis one of the followers of the Nazarene. He would speak with the high priest." Caiaphas hesitated. "'Wilt thou not command that he be brought before us?' suggested Annas. It may be that he hath repented himself of his folly in joining the man. He might, in that case, be disposed to give us timely assistance." "'Let him be brought in,' said Caiaphas. There was a silence in the chamber, broken only by the footfalls of the man who now entered. As he stopped and hesitated at sight of the imposing assemblage, it could be seen that he was of low stature, and a singularly sinister and forbidding cast of countenance. Anna smiled genially as his eye fell on the newcomer. "'Wilt thou not come forward and acquaint us with thy desires?' he said, in his most honeyed tones. The man looked at him. "'Art thou the high priest?' he asked hoarsely. "'I am the high priest, fellow. What wouldst thou with me?' demanded Caiaphas impatiently. But Annas touched him warningly. "'Thou hast come, my good man, to speak with us in regard to the Nazarene. Is it not so?' he asked. The man's face brightened, and an evil light shone in his eyes. "'Aye,' he said in a loud voice, "'I have.' I can no longer abide his presence. It hath been made known to me that thou art his enemy. Therefore I am come. Ah, said Anna softly, thou wouldst fain return to the bosom of the church of thy fathers, and cease thy wanderings in by and forbidden paths. Am I not right? I care not for the church, was a bold reply, any more than the church careth for me. But I want money. What wilt thou give me if I betray him into thy hands? Caiaphas started to his feet, while joy sparkled in his eyes. What will I give thee? he exclaimed. Why, man! But Annas checked him, saying in a low voice, Let me manage the fellow, my son. I understand this sort as thou dost not. Then, 
he went on judicially. They were worth no great sum, assuredly, my good man, since we already know where he is to be found. Still, that might be of assistance to us, and we are disposed to be generous. What sayest thou to twenty pieces of silver? The man looked down. "'Tis too little,' he said sullenly. "'Thou knowest not his haunts as I do.' "'True,' said Anna smoothly. "'I will even increase the amount by half. "'Deliver him into our hands safely, "'and at a time when there shall be no uproar of the people, "'and we will give thee thirty pieces of silver. "'Tis a goodly sum, and not to be despised.' "'The man shuffled uneasily on his feet.' and look furtively about him at the evidences of wealth on every side. But he made no answer. Caiaphas, in a fury of impatience, was about to burst out into speech when Anna spoke again. This time his cold, even tones had a shade of sternness in them. Thou must decide quickly, for we are considering other plans. Wilt thou have the thirty pieces, or wilt thou not? Thy master is doomed in any event. The man was silent for a moment longer, then he said slowly, Well, I will do it. Tis a small sum, but I am a poor man. I must look out for myself. I have wasted many months in following this Jesus. I thought him the Messiah, but he is not. He is not, he is not. And his voice died away into an inarticulate murmur. Thou hast done right and wisely, both for thyself and for us, said Annas warmly, rising and approaching the miserable wretch who was trembling in every limb. Thou shalt have food and wine before leaving the palace, but first, what is thy name? And what art thou to the Nazarene? My name is Judas Iscariot. I am one of the twelve who are always with him, replied the man in so low a voice that Annas could hardly catch the words. One of his immediate followers, said Annas, rubbing his hands, and looking about the circle of attentive listeners with a triumphant smile. Ah, tis better than I thought. It is indeed well. Now, my good man, it is important that the Nazarene should suspect nothing of all this. Thou seest that, of course, for thou art a shrewd fellow. Therefore, attend strictly to what I shall say. Go back to him, and attend him as usual, till such a time as thou canst safely, mind, I say safely, with no disturbance, nor outcry to arouse the people, deliver him into our hands. We will take care of the rest, and the silver shall be paid thee immediately thereafter. This is the earnest of the larger sum which shall be thine. And he pressed a coin into the man's hand. He clutched it greedily, muttered something unintelligible. But Annas was content. Here, Malchus, he said cheerfully, opening the door of the chamber, take this good fellow and see that he hath an abundance of both food and wine. At this the man turned fiercely upon him. Nay, I am not a beggar. I only want what is justly due me. Then, looking full into the eyes of Annas, he hissed, Thou shalt have him. Do not doubt it, for I hate him, even as thou dost. After that, he turned and went swiftly away, without once looking behind him. End of chapter 23